Chapter Nine, Part One of the Rock of Chickamauga. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Rock of Chickamauga by Joseph A. Altshuler. Chapter Nine, The Open Door, Part One. Dick said, Colonel Winchester, the next morning. I think you are the best scout and trailer among my young officers Mr. Pennington you are probably the best on the plains and I've no doubt Warner that you would do well in the mountains But for the hills forests and rivers. I'll have to choose dick I've another errand for you my boy You're to go on foot and you're to take this dispatch to Admiral Porter who commands the ironclads in the river near the city Conceal it carefully about you but I anticipate no great danger for you as Vicksburg is pretty well surrounded by our forces The dispatch was written on thin oiled paper Dick hid it away in the lining of his coat and departed upon another important mission full of pride that he should be chosen for it He had all the passwords and carried two good pistols in his belt rich in experience he felt able to care for himself even should the peril be greater than Colonel Winchester had expected The Sun was not far above the horizon But it was warm and brilliant and it lighted up the earth throwing a golden glow over the plateau of Vicksburg the great maze of ravines and thickets and the many waters He passed along the lines walking rapidly southward and saw more than one officer of his acquaintance Hartford's cavalry were in a field and the colonel himself sat on a portion of the rail fence that had enclosed it He hailed the lad pleasantly Into the forest again dick he said not this time sir dick replied. It's just a little trip down the river Success to the trip and a speedy return Dick nodded and walked on he was quite sure that his dispatch was an order from grant for Porter to come up the stream and join in a general attack which everybody felt sure was planned for an early date as He passed through the regiments and brigades he received much good-humored chaff The great war of America differed widely from great wars of Europe The officers and men were more nearly on a plane of equality The vast majority of them had been volunteers in the beginning and perhaps this feeling of comradeship made them fight all the better North and South were alike in it which way sonny called a voice from a group you don't find the fighting down there it's back toward vicksburg dick nodded and smiled maybe he's out walking for exercise these officers ride too much dick walked on with a steady swinging step he regarded the sun-browned careless youths with the genuine affection of a brother many of them were as young as he or younger but they were now veterans of battle and march Napoleon's soldiers themselves could not have boasted of more experience than they He was coming to the last link in the steel chain and the colonel of a regiment an old man Warned him to be careful as he approached the river Southern sharpshooters are among the ravines and thickets He said they fired on our lads about dawn and then escaped easily in the thick cover Thank you, sir said dick. I'll be on my guard Yet he did not feel the presence of danger Youth perhaps becomes more easily hardened in war than middle age 
or perhaps it thinks less of consequences the union cannon many of great weight and power had begun already to fire upon vicksburg huge shells were shot and rained upon the city pemberton had two hundred guns facing the river and the army but to spare his ammunition they made little reply dick looked back now and then he saw flakes of fire on the northern horizon puffs of smoke and the curving shells he felt that vicksburg was no pleasant place to be in just now and yet it must be full of civilians many of them women and children he was sorry for them it was dick's nature to see both sides of a quarrel he could never hate the southerners because they saw one way and he another it was a passing emotion it was too fine a morning for youth to grieve at the distance the plumes of smoke made by the shells became decorative rather than deadly from a crest he saw upon the plateau of vicksburg and even discerned the dim outline of houses looking the other way he saw the smoke of the ironclads down the river and he also caught glimpses of the mississippi gold in the morning sun over its vast breadth then he entered the thickets and bearing in mind the kindly warning of the old colonel proceeded slowly and with extreme caution the southerners knew every inch of the ground here and he knew none he came to a ravine and to his dismay found that a considerable stream was flowing through it toward the bayou it was yellow water and he thought he might find a tree fallen across the stream which would serve him as a footlog but a hunt of a few minutes disclosed none and hesitating no longer he prepared to wade he put his belt with the pistols in it around his neck and stepped in boldly his feet sank in the mud the water rose to his knees and then to his waist it was in truth deeper than he had expected one could never tell about those yellow opaque streams he took another step and plunged into a hole up to his shoulders angry that he should be wet through and through and with such muddy water too he crossed the stream he looked down with dismay at his uniform the sun would soon dry it but until he got a chance to clean it it would remain discolored and yellow like the jeans clothes which the poorer farmers of the south often wore and yet the accident that he bemoaned the bath in water thick with mud was to prove his salvation dick shook himself like a big dog throwing off as much of the water as he could he had kept his pistols dry and he rebuckled his belt around his waist then he returned to his errand among the thickets he saw but little vicksburg the mississippi and the union camp disappeared he beheld only a soft soil many bushes and scrub forest after going a little distance he was compelled to stop again and consider it was curious how one could lose direction in so small a space he paused and listened intending to regain his course through the sense of hearing from the north and east came the thunder of the siege guns it had grown heavier and was continuous now once more he was sorry for vicksburg because the union gunners were unsurpassed and he was sure that bombs and shells were raining upon the devoted town now he knew that he must go west by south and he made his way over difficult country crossing ravines climbing hills and picking his path now and then through soft ground the most exhausting labor of all the sun poured down upon him and his uniform dried fast 
He had just crossed one of the ravines and was climbing into the thicket beyond when a voice asked See any of the Yanks in front? Dick's heart stood still and then all his presence of mind came back Not in vain had the kindly colonel warned him of the sudden sharpshooters in the bush No, he replied they seem to be farther up one of our fellows told me he saw a whole regiment of them off there to the right He plunged deeper into the bush and walked on as if he were among his own comrades He realized that his faded uniform with its dye of yellow mud had caused him to be mistaken for one of Pemberton's men His accent which was Kentuckian and therefore southern had helped him also He passed three or four other men bent over rifle in hand and watching and he nodded to them familiarly in such a crisis he knew that boldness and ease were his best cards and he said to one of the men with a laugh you'll have to tell us tennesseeans about all your bayous and creeks i've just fallen into one that had no right to be there you tennesseeans need a bath anyhow replied the man chuckling we'd never choose a mississippi stream for it said dick in the same vein and passed on leaving the rifleman in high good humor how wonderfully these southerners were like the northerners he noticed presently a half dozen other sharpshooters in the confederate butternut prowling among the bushes and through an opening he saw his own people to the west but too far away to be reached by anything but artillery the slow deep music of the northern guns came steadily to his ear but their fire was always turned toward vicksburg dick knew that his position was extremely critical perhaps it was growing more so all the while but he was never cooler a quiet lad he always rose wonderfully to an emergency he was quite sure that he was among mississippi troops and they could not possibly know all the soldiers from the other states gathered for the defense of vicksburg he did not differ from those around him in any respect except that he did not carry a rifle he paused and looked back thoughtfully at the distant troops can you tell me how they're posted he said to a tall thin middle-aged man who had a chew of tobacco in his cheek I carry dispatches to general Pemberton and the more information I can give him the better Yes, I can tell you replied the man somewhat flattered they're posted everywhere What with the army and then boats of theirs in the river? They've got a high fence around us all staked and rided It doesn't take any more work to tear a fence down than it does to build it up I reckon you're right there stranger, but was you at champion hill? No, I missed that then it was a good thing for you that you did I didn't set much store by the Yanks when this war began one good southerner could whip five of them any time Our rip-roaring fire-eating speech-maker said I know then too that they was right But I was up there in Kentucky a while and after Donaldson I reckoned that four was about as many as I wanted to tackle all at once it Then there was Shiloh and I kind of had a thought that if three of them jumped on me at one time I'd have my hands pretty full to lick em. Then come Corinth and reasoning with myself. I said I wouldn't take on more'n two Yanks at the same time and Now since I've been at Champion Hill I know that the Yankees a powerful good fighter and I reckon one-to-one -one just about suits me and even then I'd like to have a little advantage in the draw. I Feel that way about it too. The Yankees are going to make a heap of trouble for us here but I must be going. What's the best path into Vicksburg? See that little opening in the bushes follow it just over the hill you run into a passel of our fellers, but pay no attention to them 
If they ask you who you are and where you're bound, tell them to go straight to Blazes, while you go to Vicksburg. Thank you, said Dick. I like to meet an obliging and polite man like you. It helps even in war. Don't mention it. When I was a little shaven, my ma told me always to mind my manners, and when I didn't, she wailed the life out of me. And, do you know, stranger, she's just a little withered old woman, but if she could peer right now, I'd be willing to set down right in these bushes and say, Ma, take up that stick over there and beat me across the shoulders and back with it as hard as you can. I feel good all over. I believe you, said Dick, who thought of his own mother. He followed the indicated path until he was out of sight of everybody, and then he plunged into the bushes and marshed toward the river. When he was well hidden, he stopped and considered. It was quite evident that he had wandered from the right road, but it was no easy task to get back to it. There was an unconscious Confederate cordon about him, and he must pass through it somewhere. He moved farther toward the river, but only went deeper into the swamp. He turned to the south and soon reached firm ground, but he heard Confederate pickets talking in front of him. Then he caught glimpses of two or three men watching among the trees, and he lay down in a clump of bushes. He might pass them as he had passed the others, but he thought it wiser not to take the risk. He was willing also to rest a little, as he had done a lot of hard walking. His clothing was now dry, and the mud had dried upon it. He turned aside into one of the deep ravines, and then into a smaller one leading from it. The bushes were dense there, and he lay down among them, so completely hidden that he was invisible ten feet away. Here he still heard the mutter of the guns, which came in a long, droning sound, and occasionally a rifle cracked at some point closer by. The Union army was still busy, and he felt a few moments of despondency. His dispatch undoubtedly was of great importance, and yet he was not able to deliver it. It was highly probable that, for precaution's sake, other messengers bore the same dispatch, but he was anxious to arrive with his nevertheless, and he wanted, too, to arrive first. The last now seemed impossible, and the first improbable. The crackling fire came nearer. Owing to the lack of percussion caps, Pemberton had ordered his men to use their rifles sparingly, but evidently a considerable body of sharpshooters near Dick were attempting a flanking movement of some kind, and meant to carry it out with bullets. He was impatient to see, but prudence kept him in his covert, a prudence that was soon justified, as presently he heard voices very near him, and then the sound of footsteps. He rose up a little and saw several hundred Confederate soldiers passing on the slopes not more than a hundred yards away. They went south of him, and he recognized with growing alarm that the wall across his way was growing higher. When they were gone and he could no longer hear the tread among the bushes, he slipped from his hiding place and went directly toward Vicksburg. Being within an iron ring, he thought that perhaps he would be safer somewhere near the center. He might make his way without much trouble through the vast confused crowd in Vicksburg and then in the night go down to the river's edge and to the fleet. It was a daring idea, so very daring that it appealed to the strain of high adventure in the lad. He was encouraged, too, by his earlier and easy success in passing among the Confederate soldiers. But in order not to appear reckless and to satisfy his own conscience, he tried once more for the way to the south. 
but the soldiers entirely barred the path there and being on some duty that required extreme vigilance they were likely to prove exacting he advanced with a clear mind toward vicksburg picking his way among the forests and ravines but after long walking over most difficult ground he saw before him extensive earthworks thronged with southern troops when he turned westward the result was the same and then it became evident that there was no flaw in the iron ring he could not go through to porter he could not go back to his own army but vicksburg invited him as a guest he would make the trial at night it was a long wait and he dared not risk it by day and going back into one of the ravines he sought a secluded and sheltered place threshing the bushes to drive away possible snakes he crawled into a clump and lay there resolved to be patient in spite of everything he did not stir but listened to the far throbbing of the cannon which poured an incessant storm of missiles upon unhappy vicksburg the warmth and the heavy air in the ravine were relaxing his brain grew so dull and heavy that he fell asleep and when he awoke the twilight was coming and yet he had lost nothing he had gained rather the time had passed his body had been strengthened and his nerves steadied while he slept the distant booming of the guns still came he had expected it that was grant he had wrapped the coil of steel around vicksburg and he would never relax dick felt that there was no hope for the town unless johnston outside could gather a powerful army and fight grant on even terms but he considered it impossible and there too was the great artery of the river along which flowed men and supplies of every kind for the union the southern twilight turned swiftly into night and coming from his lair dick walked boldly toward the town he had eaten nothing since morning but he had not noticed it until this moment when he began to feel a little faintness he resolved that vicksburg should supply him it was curious how much help he expected of vicksburg a hostile town he saw light soon both to right and to left and he strengthened his soul he knew that he must be calm but alert and quick with the right answer with his singular capacity for meeting a crisis he advanced into the thick of danger with a smiling face even as his great ancestor paul cotter had often done his calm was of short duration there was a rushing sound something struck violently and a tremendous explosion followed fire flashed before dick's eyes pieces of red-hot metal whistled past his head earth spattered him and he was thrown to the ground he sprang up again understanding all instantly a shell from his own army had burst near him and he had been thrown down by the concussion but he had not been hurt and in a few seconds his pulse beat steadily he heard a shout of laughter as he stood brushing the fresh dirt from his clothing he glanced up in some anger but he saw at once that the arrival of the shell had been most fortunate for his plan to come near annihilation by a federal gun certainly invested him with a confederate character it was a group of young soldiers who were laughing and their amusement was entirely good-natured They would have laughed the same way had the harmless adventure befallen one of their own number Dick judged that they were from the southwest Close call he said smiling that attractive smile which was visible even in the twilight 
It was a friendly shell said one of the youths and it concluded not to come too close to you These Yankee shells are so loving that sometimes they spray themselves in little pieces all over a fellow like a shower of rice over a bride at a wedding How long do you think the Yankees will keep it up asked dick putting indignation in his tone? Haven't they any respect for the night? Not a bit that fellow grant is a pounder they say he'll blow away the whole plateau of Vicksburg if we don't drive him off Well, we'll do it you wait till old Joe Johnston comes up then we'll shut him between the jaws of a vice and squeeze the life out of him Hope so where have you been down below the town? I'm coming back with messages So long good luck keep straight ahead and you'll find all the generals you want the lights increased and he went into a small tavern where he bought food and a cup of coffee paying in gold the tavern keeper asked no questions but his eyes gleamed at the sight of the yellow coin mighty little of this comes my way now he said frankly and our own money is worth less and less every day if things keep on the way they're headed it'll take a bale of it as big as a bale of cotton to pay for one good square meal dick laughed not so bad as that he said you wait until we've given grant a big thrashing and have cleared their boats out of the river then you'll see our money becoming real the man shook his head seeing will be believing he said and as i ain't seeing i ain't believing dick with a friendly good night went out grant the persistent was still at work his cannon flared on the dark horizon and the shells crashed in vicksburg scarcely any portion of the town was safe now and then a house was smashed in and often the shells found victims the town was full of terror and confusion many of the rich planters had come there with their families for refuge women and children hid from the terrible fire and the civilians already had begun to burrow caves had been dug deep into the sides of the ravines and hundreds found in them a rude but safe shelter end of chapter 9 part 1